Hey, welcome back. So this is the you know last full trading week before we, we head into to Christmas. Uh, if I remember correctly, Christmas Day, obviously, markets here in the U.S. are closed. Uh, probably for most of the world, they're, they're closed. At least I'm sure they're closed in Europe. I don't, I don't know about China and Japan. I, honestly, these are little factoids that I just don't recall. But also on Christmas Eve, if I remember correctly, markets also closed halfway through the day. And, and, and what, what I want to talk about today is is gold prices, silver prices, as we head into the end of the year and the beginning of 2020. And I'll start off by saying this. Generally speaking, by default, I'm going to be more optimistic on gold and silver during this time of year. And it's not necessarily the Christmas cheer or anything like that. It's the fact that historically, somewhere in the last couple of years, especially somewhere between mid-December through you know maybe the first couple of months of the new year, seasonality tends to swing silver and gold to the upside. And, and just by default, that makes me tend to believe that, that we're going to see higher prices for silver and gold. And I think that the key number that we're looking here is not only 1480 to 1483 for gold, but 1500 for gold, I think being right around the corner, but probably actually by the end of the year, if, if charts and, and seasonality uh, are, are correct, right? As I record this video, a uh, podcast, I should say, podcast, guys, this is a podcast, um, gold is, is sitting around 1480. Nice round number. Uh, but another reason, in addition to the seasonality, uh, is, is also the technical aspect of where gold is at right now. Uh, 1480, 1481, as I record this, gold is in the midst of what appears to be uh, an ascending triangle pattern, meaning that it continues to find resistance around 1480 to 1483. It has for, for a couple weeks now. Uh, and and you, you can trace this pattern back to maybe 10 days ago, uh, around the 9th or the 8th or the 7th of December. But you can even trace this back to late November and, and early December of gold finding support at increasingly higher levels. It's still finding resistance at that, for, you know, it's a, it's a straight line across that resistance line. But the support level continues to follow gold up. Of course, the support level back at the end of December or end of November, beginning of December, was around the mid 1450s, 1453, 1455. But today it's finding support around 1473, right? Uh, 10 days ago, it was finding support around 1460. And so that line is trending up and it's what you'd call like an ascending triangle, which generally is a bullish pattern that that support level hopefully will continue to hold and that that uh, resistance level will quickly be be broken through by by gold. And and once it breaks through that level, the next big one is going to be 1500. And I think that's going to be much, much more easy for gold to break through than, than it was 1480 or 1483. And with this added uh, tailwind of, of seasonality, like I said, I think for 1500 gold is just around the corner. So so what does this mean for silver? Well, obviously, it's, I think it's positive. The gold to silver ratio is is higher than where it was recently. But even as I talk now, Silver is is moving pretty strongly to the upside, north of seventeen dollars an ounce. I think it's pretty soundly defeated that resistance level, and seventeen dollars is now I think in a form as as a support level for silver. But for a while, I think silver will continue to ride gold's coattails further up. Um, I think gold is going to be in the fifteen hundred to, to fifteen fifty trading range, or somewhere in there, fifteen hundred to fifteen twenty three, twenty fifteen twenty trading range, pretty quickly here, and. Uh, you know, when you have this this effect of seasonality, I, I think it, uh, it it 
it lends itself to much, much more strength as we head into these first couple months of, of 2020. And, you know, I wouldn't at all be surprised. You know, my, my prediction several, several months ago was, was I think, I forget it was 18 or $20 silver and, and $1,600 gold. And, and uh, I don't think either will be at that level. Um, but I think within a couple of months, I think it's very much realistic, especially when you consider what else is going on in, in the world, in the marketplace. I mean, the, the stock market, which gold has absolutely acted as a safe haven demand for when, when the stock market is, is moving to the downside as a hedge. Uh, the stock market's at all-time highs, basically, right? Following this this trade deals talk and, and this huge amount of liquidity injection by the Fed, uh, it's basically at all-time highs, and yet we're still seeing gold hanging in there. I mean, fourteen eighty is is not as high as we'd like to see it, but it's still a far cry from thirteen hundred or, or wherever it was, you know, roughly a year ago. Um, you know, ad- additionally. You have what I just mentioned there, the Fed, and, and their huge amounts of injection of money into to the monetary system. Um, their continuing insistence on, on relatively easy monetary policy. They, they've said that they don't plan on cutting rates in 2020. I expect several rate cuts in 2020 when it's all said and done. But never mind the rate cuts. They continue to pump in hundreds of billions of dollars through the repo market operations. And even once, let's say, even if that does clear up and, and that somewhat is, is rolled out their balance sheet heading into New Year as we make it through January, that's not a done deal either. That liquidity very well may still need to be uh, um, present there in the markets with, without you know, the repo market falling apart and short-term funding falling apart and, and the backbone of our financial system falling apart. The Fed is still going to keep doing their, their QE, or, or as Jerome Powell calls a not-QE program, uh, through the uh, the end of quarter one. That's through March of this year. $60 billion a month of, of Treasury bill purchase. And, and, and he recently ruled out, uh, he recently refused to rule out buying other forms of, of longer-dated Treasuries as well, not just these short-dated bills, but, but longer-dated ones as they have in the past with some of their other QE programs. The Fed balance sheet by, by the middle of January is is basically set to to make new all-time highs. In, in a matter of months, dating back to September, they basically reversed, what, like almost two years' worth of quantitative tightening that began in the fall of 2017. Right? This is a huge balance sheet expansion. And believe me, there's, there's manipulation in the silver and gold market. There's the technical data. There's the fact that the stock market's at all-time highs. And all of a sudden, people think that a recession risk is, is out the window. It's not going to happen. All of that, okay? But <laughs> to, some extent, to some extent, those things only matter so much when the Fed is printing money as feverishly as they are right now. Charts point to a move to the upside with this ascending triangle. Seasonality points to the upside for both silver and gold. And, and what's going on in the marketplace right now uh, in terms of, of liquidity injection by the Fed, easing policy, uh, money printing, those things are all bullish. Uh, on top of that, you have the fact that the market is, is basically at all-time highs. And yes, it could go higher, but, but I think risk is, is skewed to the downside um, or, or the, the odds of where it's going to move is, is, I think, to the downside. Even with all this liquidity, yes, we could see a further feverish blow off top. Who knows? January 2019 could resemble January of, of 2018. Uh, or Sorry, January 2020 could resemble January 2019, January 2018, which were both huge moves up to the upside. But guess what? In, uh, in January 2018, we had this huge blow off top, uh, which ultimately was not a blow off top because the markets did find new highs 
later in the year. But we had a huge crash, a uh, huge correction, like a 10% drop and a huge volatility explosion at the uh, beginning of, of uh, February, right? That was Volmageddon, right? And so we, we, we could see a blow off top here. Um, but, but I think the positioning that we're seeing right now by central banks, by the wealthy, as I've talked about in recent videos, about the 1% and their position in gold, um, it, it's pointing to moves to the upside by silver and gold and, and, and certainly hedging against lower bond prices maybe, uh, inflation certainly, and of course lower stock prices as well. I, I hate to be the one that constantly fights a bull market, but what I do know is that these it is in a bubble right now. By almost every metric, it's in a bubble in terms of valuation and historically speaking, the market cap of the S&P 500 relative to, to GDP, which is around 150%, which was actually the peak back in, in like 2000 or 2001. I mean, by so many metrics, it's, it's in a bubble. Bubbles can get a lot bigger, but, but they always pop, and this one's going to pop eventually. But in the meantime, to see silver and gold still moving up, it's it's encouraging, and it makes me wonder just just what the upside's going to be in 2020, in the midst of more and more Fed easing, interest rate cuts, more and more money printing, and the potential for uh, uh, a huge or a major sell off in stocks and an inflow, I think, to bonds. And and I, I think this bubble, I don't know whether where the stock bubble is in the whole timeline, but I think the bubble of of negative yielding or low yield bonds is is not over yet I, I expect it to to surface again and i think it was earlier this year that we saw negative yielding debt worldwide move up to something like 17 trillion dollars which is a huge tailwind for gold because bonds are safe haven asset but if they're negative yielding why wouldn't you just own gold which is least is, is neutral in terms of its yield um and, and i think that bubble is going to continue to be blown up by central banks and by investors as irrational as they may be, rushing into to these bonds, which are <laughs> negative yielding, as crazy as it sounds, you know. And so I wonder what the upside is in 2020, um, 2019. As as we sort of wrap it up, we have we have about 10 or uh, 12, 11 or 12 days, depending on how you count and whatnot, left in the year, uh, and fewer than that in terms of trading days. 2020 was a good year, or 2019 was a good year. You know, if we look at where silver was. Uh, a year ago, uh, we were looking at it being in the mid $14 range, right? Um, if you look at gold uh, a year ago, if I remember correctly, gold was probably around 1300 I'll bring it up on a chart here for my, for my own purposes. Um, but it was far lower than what it is right now, obviously. Uh, today's been a, this year has been a very good year for silver and gold. Um, but I wonder what's in store in, in 2020. A year ago, gold was actually, uh, actually by the looks of it, below 1300 right? Um, so 1600 I think, I think, as I said, even in the title video, 1500 is right around the corner again. Um, it won't be too long before we're testing the more recent highs of 1550 or 1555. Uh, but, but beyond that, I think 1600 even... 1800 and 2000 is not out of the question in 2020. Uh, it's just a matter of timing. It's a matter of, of when the Fed ultimately realizes they have to act in an even more drastic manner and, and just a matter of time before uh, I think the whole thing blows up, right? Um, again, 2020, who knows? 
this this party could go on for even longer if you want to call it a party. Uh, but but time and time again, you know, the Fed is, has intervened. Whether it's the Fed, the U.S. government, the Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank, the People's Bank of China, the Chinese government, they've intervened to keep this bubble uh, inflated. But time and time again, we we've seen their interventions. I I think amount to less and less. And I think policymakers are realizing that on the central bank side of things, they're they're losing their power. Um, and, and I think eventually this is going to be shifted to, to central governments in the form of fiscal uh, stimulus, whether that's tax cuts or spending. Um, but I think pretty quickly we're going to realize that that's inflationary, that that doesn't work if, if your debt is already at crazy high levels in the case of U.S. and, and Japan and many European countries and, and China, at least at the corporate level, uh, that that's not going to work either. And, and, and yeah, it could provide a short stimulus, but... But, you know, for the time being, I mean, I, I hate to say it, be super bearish on, on stocks. Let's be honest, they've had a great year in 2020 as well, or 2019. But I think 2020 is going to be far different for those two asset classes. And uh, and I think it's looking very bullish for, for both silver and gold. So as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this down below in the comment section. As I said at the beginning, for those in the YouTube world, check me out on the podcast platform. Maybe you listen to this whole thing on, on YouTube. Maybe not. Maybe you, you made the switch already. But stay tuned for my next ones, which you know are, are almost daily at this point in terms of my episodes. Um, hold out for that on, on the podcast platform. You can set notifications to be notified on many of these platforms, platforms when, when I post. So uh, again, looking for that 500 listeners on average by the end of the year. I'd love to have you on board as one of them. You know, I can guarantee you this, this video is probably going to be viewed by upwards of 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people. I don't know. Maybe more. Um, so all it takes is, is maybe one in 10 of you making the switch. Uh, and, and it's great because there's so much great pop, uh, uh, so much great content already on the podcast platform. It doesn't mean you have to delete your YouTube app, that you have to go away from YouTube altogether. But if you're giving me listens on the, in the podcast world versus giving YouTube traffic, uh, you're helping me out much, much more, and, and you're taking a little bit away from YouTube. And I get it. YouTube's been a great vehicle for me to, to get my voice out there, get my voice heard. But, but it is an organization that more and more is moving in the direction of limiting free speech, which, you know, as a company, maybe they have the right to do, maybe not. That's not a debate I want to get into right now, but it's not something I like, and I know I know eventually that there's a high likelihood that that the content I put out, precious metals or otherwise, is I think ultimately going to be silenced by YouTube. I think to some extent already by content. You know, I've had I had somebody recently say that I'm on the shadow ban list by YouTube. Right? Somebody commented that saying uh, Silver Fortune's on a shadow ban list because his videos never get recommended anymore. Right? This is a fan, and yet my videos never get recommended anymore. Hey, guess what the best way is for me to get seen on YouTube? It's not by subscribers seeing my stuff. It's by um, or, or checking to see if I publish a new video. It's f- for when they get notifications that I publish stuff or when when new viewers are recommended my content. And, and YouTube has an immense amount of power to stop my stuff from getting recommended. The second half of 2019 has been a slow year, and some of it's just based on my content, I'm sure, or not publishing as much or whatever, but I know that a lot of it is just my stuff not getting recommended as much. And I think there's as good much of a chance as it just being by random chance as it is that YouTube and their algorithm is is targeting certain voices, certain channels, certain keywords, whatever it is that they find in, in the description, the title, the transcriptions of the videos that they auto automatically create, whatever it is. 
Um, and, and I'm sure I, along with many, many other channels and content providers and creators, are on that list as well. So check me out in the podcast world. You can be one of, of hopefully 500-plus listeners by the end of the year. As always, though, thank you for listening from the bottom of my heart, and God bless.